Hey everyone, this is a multi-part series, so if you want to go back and start at part one, that's definitely recommended. You can also hear this whole thing uninterrupted at a atheaterinthedark.com. Enjoy! A Theater in the Dark presents A Murder in the Court of Xanadu Written by Corey Bradbury The cast includes... Nessa Amherst, Robinson J. Cyprian, Van Farrow, Gabriel Fries, and Aaron Lynn as Marla. This project is supported in part by a grant by the Illinois Arts Council Agency, a state agency, and supported in part by an individual artist's program grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. The show's original music is composed and performed by Paul Sotnik and is directed by the author. Jim Gibb died in the Dakotas at the start of that unfortunate three-year trip. They say it was a fall off a mountain. Others have said a bullet was involved. I don't know. I can't say. I wasn't there. Back at the home field, back at Xanadu, I can't tell what Kane said or did at all because of all who were there when poor Kane received that most unwelcome news the news of Jim Gim's most untimely death. All were fired or transferred within a month, and now their names languish on some foreign assignment or in a dusty folder at Human Resources. All of them, that is, except for me. Except for Marigold. No one knows why she alone kept her place. I do. It's because I'm a good worker, and I don't try to have people murdered. Is that so? The White Knight of Xanadu? Everyone knows white clothing is reserved for Cain and members of his family. Except that year he wore black. The same black he wore after his wife passed. Cain became a hermit, locked away for almost a year. And in that year, Ahmad swelled in power. But how does one become a billionaire from scratch? I don't know. How does one become a billionaire from scratch? The same way one becomes the owner of an elephant, steal everyone else's money until you can afford an elephant. Ha, 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 ha. A dime a day adds up when you rob from a hundred thousand people at a time. Naturally, one makes enemies. Uh, hold on. Our scene isn't until later, so please let me play storyteller. Jim Gim's death granted Ahmad a reprieve, but did not soothe the sting of Kane's most insulting blow. And for six years now, he's built his empire from within, all the while waiting. Meanwhile, Kane drinks, and drinks, and drinks, and drinks. Shh! That returns us to just four months ago. In Kane's same office, with resolution over time, only hardening those six times round the sun. Oh, damn, that meddler. She made me lose my place, and I forgot that I have something you should see. Come look. 
May I show you? It's a doozy, this one. I'll describe it now. A kind of passport, larger than your average playing card, given to me by Kane himself, given to those who prove themselves worthy to the boss. They unlock the keys of the kingdom. Win a hundred battles as I have for Kane, and you get one made of finest silver. Though mine is finer than most all others. Here, by my name Marla, it's engraved. By the power and strength of Xanadu, may all those who shall not obey the bearer of this tablet be destroyed. <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe I'm just having some fun. Maybe it doesn't say that literally. But the tablets are certain status symbols and carry weight within Xanadu's walls as well as out into the greater world. Or most parts. Most places I've been, at least. Though they don't know Kane's name here in Venice. Obedience to a tablet bearer is absolute. Sort of like the military, but Kane selects the majors and captains, colonels, generals, admirals, and all. If you win a thousand battles, then this silver tablet gets exchanged for gold. Win 10,000, and you get a golden lion's head fixed upon that golden tablet. And if you are victorious a hundred thousand times, as in such rare cases, including our Ahmad, then you receive that golden tablet engraved with lion plus a falcon and the sun and the moon. This reveals two facts about our leader, and Marigold said it to me the best. King has a propensity for all things that shine, and the heart of an aged dragon. Here's a new voice, another enemy of Imad's. The voice of old Bayon in some official meeting of some board called the Secretarial Council as Bayon wraps up his presentation. And so, within the next year's end, we expect to have this product shipped to every house on the far side of the world under 60 different product labels, give or take. They pay us. We bottle under their name. This gets Xanadu out of its debt. Now the plans receive unanimous support with one final vote left to cast. Ahmad. Excellent, Bayon. You've earned high praise and will be commended for this planning. Perhaps this will earn you the falcon's head? I'll order the new tablet from Marla. Then even Ahmad will take your orders. <laughs> Only kidding, Ahmad. Your vote. Votes? Nay. Vote nay. This isn't what we discussed, Kane. You know, this vote requires unanimous Have you discussed consent. realistically this product's potential toxicality with the various health boards of the nations? That process can take years, you know. This plan is sloppy, Bayon. It's risky. Nonsense. We'll push it through like all the others. Isn't that what you're here for, Ahmad? Mad, the idea was mine and not yours. Trying to one up the secretarial council, eh? Playing politics again? Those diplomats get the better Just of Just as you got us involved in Japan, we all know how that debacle turned out, you're ripping the wound open far wider, and this will only cause us agony. The ingredients are of bad quality. The recipes are not up to standards. If you don't feel like you can do it, Maybe Kane should appoint another man to sell it to the world government. I'm not in sales, but finance. Though were I, Bayon, 
I still wouldn't sell your poison. Poison? No! Ahmad, I'm amazed. This is our council's official meeting. These minutes are still being recorded. You've made your point, Ahmad, we will discuss. Go, Bayan, tell the Chinese we may proceed, but only after more deliberation. It's my pleasure. I'll tell them directly. I'm sorry, Ahmad can't see what we see. Seems his ambition's getting in the way. We'll take a break, everyone. See you soon. Ahmad, you insult a distinguished guest! And you allow yourself to play the fool when you should be playing Emperor King. Watch your mouth! If I hadn't had a drink this morning to soothe my nerves, then I would think twice about allowing you to stay in your position as secretary. Bayon's been with Xanadu for decades. He's one of the last of the oldest guard. I look out for your best interests always. And would you drink all the same, knowing that your general Bayan has stolen from you? Look, where is your jade cup? My jade cup, which? The one you received. That priceless antique your wife gave you when we cornered the market in Southeast Asia? What a treasure. And your wife, may she now rest in peace. Bayan stole it from right under your own nose. It was set near the door, and now it's gone. And you didn't see? Is your eyesight sore? Or if you don't mind my saying so, is it a drink? You said you've been drinking my again. My eyesight is as keen as the falcons my father used to fly. Though that bird died, and you're older, surely you saw it happen. I only had one drink. Then I'm mistaken. Let's forget the whole matter of thievery. He may not have done it, but he may have. Any man who steals from me, even kin, should know I am the Lord of Xanadu. Order an investigation. Wait now. An investigation? Don't you think that solution may be a bit extreme? Any man who steals from me will feel my Inquisition's wrath. You're here to execute the word of Cain. A wise approach, which sends a message out. Many thousands work for you, after all. Tens of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Thank you, Ahmad. There are too few I trust. I'll handle the matter. Go freshen up. We'll finish this meeting, and then tonight I'll take you to our jeweler who's arrived. And I want her to partake in all the modern comforts of our stately pleasure. That's how I get the best discount. <laughs> Goodbye, for now. I know what you think. I'm no petty thief. What? You think I'd slink up to the shelf and jam the thing in my pocket like a Saturday morning cartoon villain? <laughs> I held you in higher regard than that. I deal with elephants, and not with ants. I don't know who took it, but now it's gone. And that's enough to tip Kane's decisions since his mind's been dulled by years of liquor. All he thinks he has me under control. I've grown stronger than ever before. I've known men like old Bayan all my life. Born privileged, blind to reality. The only way to ruin him is to cut his reputation a thousand times, and I've already cut it 991. Only a few more to go. I know. A trio of spies I'll make Bayan, as well as his top two lieutenants. 
they've damaged their own reputation, so I'll just give them the extra nudge and shop around rumors of espionage. Jade Cup or no Jade Cup, I'll sweep away this unruly general who insults me like that kamikaze swept away our chances in Japan that put us in this pickled vine to start with. What's that, Ahmad? I've heard you're a schemer. Brazen of you to scheme in Kane's own private boardroom. You forget your place. And you heard nothing. I've heard enough about enough in my time to know what happens behind closed doors. Perhaps then it's time you were transferred. If you think you'll move me to your harem, I'm sorry to inform you that I'm married. Don't flatter yourself. When I want a lover, I take a lover. How romantic. Oh, today I received a complaint from a man. A post from the East from my man, Wong Chu. He wants to speak with management. That's you. He's Chinese? I couldn't say for sure, but judging by his name, it's likely. In any case, he's my stand-in till Kane appoints a more permanent messenger. What's this got to do with me, after all? Marigold, like you, I administrate. You know as well as I what happens when you lay careful plans only to see them spoiled by underlings' incompetence. First you insult my sexuality. Now you're calling me incompetent. Why, Bayon's really got you hot this morning. I'm telling you to leave me to myself. Your rooting up trash makes trouble for me. Maybe you should compost. Clever, clever. I don't care about your man named Wang Chu. Give him money, watch his problem dissolve. What's that you said? Uh, Leave me to myself? That's the worst advice for a man like you. One day... You'll lie in Xanadu's graveyard among the tens of hundreds of thousands of those who have slaved for this company. And all your work, all your lifelong work, will only go to pay a diplomat's kickback. Careful, Ahmad. You keep talking that way, and I might let you walk into your own demise. Don't you have an anthill to light on fire with a magnifying glass, little boy? Yes. Now go away. I wasn't scheming, only reconstructing truth in my mind. You'll see, Bayan is nothing but a traitor. Thank you for listening to A Murder in the Court of Xanadu, written and directed by Corey Bradbury. This project is supported in part by a grant by the Illinois Arts Council Agency, a state agency, and supported in part by an individual artist's program grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. Our cast includes Nessa Amherst as Marigold, Robinson J. Cyprian as Kane, Van Farrow as Jim Gim, Bion, and others, Gabriel Fries as Ahmad, and Aaron Lynn as Marla. Original music written and composed by Paul Sotnik. Special thanks to John Olson Communications. This audio play was produced and sound designed by Corey Bradbury. To hear more audio plays, visit us online at atheaterinthedark.com. A Theater in the Dark creates stories through sound. Let's hear a short excerpt from another original audio play of ours, sci-fi thriller, A War of the Worlds. Rain dumped down, and lightning flashed. And it revealed the thing. 
metal Martian tripod. A hundred feet high, rolling forth at a terrific speed. As powerful as horses stamping earth, but tall and monstrous. I pushed the gas and brought myself closer, within two hundred feet. Spider legs ripping, shredding down the highway, clearing a path. Please, baby, please. I followed the Martian tripod closer and closer still, careening toward Chicago. It lumbered forward, two feet in the air, the third holding all that beast's weight and motion. I strained my eyes to see. And then, I hear the sound. A siren-like howl. And then... To my left, a second Martian tripod. So close I can only make out one mechanical... HG, you've got to move! scream and wrench the wheel hard to the right! You can hear this audio play untouchable at our website, atheaterinthedark.com. 